You're listening to Conscious Living Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver, Co-op Radio. I'm Tasha Sims. And I'm Mark Cron. And that was The Who. Like, talk about old school memories, right? It was awesome. It's actually one of my favorite albums is, is that album is there. It's a classic. Yeah, and, and it's a very fitting song for our guests this evening as well. So it was kind of fun to sing along and make a silly fool out of myself in the studio while we got ready. Well, yeah. And, and before we dive into all sorts of fascinating things about being able to see for maybe not miles, but clear for sure. Um, we've got a little bit of good news to share with you. So these little tidbits are from my favorite astrologer. His name's Rob Bresney, and I just love his work because it's not about predicting anything. It's um, there's so much wisdom in what he shares that I read everybody's sign. Seriously, they're they're unique, and I don't know why I'm doing a Rob promo, but I love him. He inspires me, and his his positivity and expansion like he doesn't settle for crumbs of hey it's going to be a good day Mm -hmm. it's deep and it's lovely well maybe we should get him on the show someday that would be truly cool all right good news will be do we have a jingle good news good news changing the world there we go that's our jingle as we go along okay the new zealand prime minister made history by bringing her baby to a un meeting first time ever i think that's good news do you like it yeah, it's certainly interesting. You know, why not? No, it's cool, right? Yeah, it means absolutely. it's like this is part of my life. This is yeah. a child. Why not? Yeah. And my other piece of good news in Africa, in Zimbabwe, which I have a particular fondness for, my mom having grown up there, uh, the first all-female anti-poaching team that's using abused women and giving them a chance to become a badass. So they are literally, this is an area where they're protecting a wildlife park, watching over 115 square miles of habitat that are like prime hunting ground, trophy hunting ground, and uh, home to over 11,000 elephants. So they've got this female posse of women who came from abused backgrounds um, committed to this purpose. I just think it's awesome, like, I, like Power Rangers or something. That's awesome. What's your good news? <laughs> My good news? Well, Tasha, <laughs> I got to say, you, got, you caught me off guard today because I came to uh, school unprepared today. Um, but I do have a little bit of good news because I'm just really lucky that way. And uh, the good news is that London became the first major global f- um, fashion weeks to end the use of animal fur in its shows. Okay. That's yeah, seriously that's good news. Interestingly great news. Good news for the animals, that's yeah, for sure. For sure, especially if you're a fox, a seal, or a marmot, or a mink, or, or a beaver. 
Oh, hey, there you go. The good old Canadian beaver. Okay, we're diving in because our guest this evening, Mayor Schindler, is a globally respected educator and therapist. He's developed a unique method of therapeutic massage, movement, and exercises for the prevention and rehabilitation of degenerative conditions, particularly uh, involving the eyes. He himself was born with cataracts. He overcame his blindness with these eye exercises, and he now reads, writes, drives, holds a driver's license. And he's devoted his life to teaching people how to heal themselves, addressing every aspect of their being. He teaches these techniques at the School for Self-Healing in San Francisco, also teaches workshops internationally, and is the author of several books, including Vision for Life, Movement for Self-Healing, Yoga for Your Eyes, and Awakening the Power of Self-Healing. So you guys are very lucky. He'll be in Vancouver offering free lectures and facilitating his workshops natural vision improvement and self-healing through movement and that's coming up may 9th to the 12th so if you're sitting at home with glasses perched on your nose or perhaps just a product of stress in your life you will want to hear tonight's show welcome it's so nice to be here and i really enjoyed the positive news, news that you were talking about <laughs> and it's fun to have a radio that thinks about positive rather than negative yeah and i just want you to know that the latest translation of my book vision for life was in hebrew right. and i'm from israel and the name of it was meir enayim that's in hebrew right. which means giving light to the eyes oh that's beautiful and meir is my name which means giving light right so it kind of works together beautiful so your story is fascinating your beginnings i wonder if you can tell our listeners about that and then how it drew you to do the work that you're doing right now i'm happy that you explained that i was born with cataracts and let me explain to you the difference between having cataract in a normal age like 60 70 mm -hmm. as many people mm -hmm. do and having cataract at birth uh in a normal age uh, you simply see fuzzy and often they remove your lens by the way we can help you to not allow the cataract to grow and not to remove your lens with exercises but when you're born with cataracts a different story because your brain builds up the whole concept of seeing from the age of eight weeks to two and a half years mm -hmm. see when you're born you look at everything because there's light outside the womb, right? Mm -hmm. But then you stop looking. You do all kinds of other things that have to do with your development, but you don't look. If you have cataract, then it hampers the development of your brain. And nobody knew it in my generation. My two kids were born with cataract. I was the anomaly. They inherited from me. And it's a dominant gene. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I was born with cataract to deaf parents. Hmm. And uh, it's written in my book, uh, Movement for Self-Healing, a real good description of that, as well as description of 30 people who overcame many, many different issues and problems. But uh, what happened is that in the case of my kids, the lens was removed at the age of two weeks. And there was even a secondary surgery, but when they reached the age of eight weeks, they had heavy contact lenses, and they were able to see from two feet like all other infants. And they developed vision. Normally, the generation that was born with cataract develops about 40% vision. My kids have 100% vision in combination of removing the lens on time and doing eye exercises. Now, mm -hmm. I wasn't that lucky. I 
was operated at the age of four, which is 200 weeks too late. And not only I was operated at the age of four, because physicians were so frustrated that adult cataracts work out just fine. Mm -hmm. In that time, adults got glasses, mm -hmm. and then later on contacts, and then later on implants. But uh, they didn't get it. Why one is being born, they do the same surgery, mm -hmm. and nothing happens, he's mm -hmm. not seeing. And they did not know the answer is the critical time of brain development. And it was only discovered in biological experiments years later. So what happened is that I was born, I was the quickest Braille reader in the state of Israel, already from sixth grade on. And it was very clear to everyone that I'll live a blind life to the end of my life. And I really believe this is something that I want to say that often pain leads to change. Like you said, those abused women are not going to let those guys kill animals. Mm -hmm. Well, their pain is being mm -hmm. brought as something that can save others. For me, it was a bit different. My pain of having deaf parents who I could not possibly learn sign language, mm -hmm. so they would mm -hmm. always have to tilt my head up to read my lips. Mm -hmm. I had to tell the news to my father because in that time there wasn't deaf interpretation, there wasn't Russian channels in Israel. So it was basically the radio, a uh, little bit of TV, and I could hear the news and tell him the news. P people in Israel are news junkies. Mm -hmm. And so he was too. So uh, he lifted my, uh, my head up. I didn't understand why, because he had to read my lips. Well, that's how I grew. And, and how I, did you communicate back? He read my like lips. He, how, how did he? Wait, 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 this kind of voice, right. which is like a, a faucet, you know? Right, right. So, and it was, was a lot of difficulties. Uh, but what happened is I really wanted to get out of my situation. And as soon as I discovered that I exercise exist, and it was discovered to me in a very strange way, it's all written in my book, uh, movement for self-healing by a 16-year-old dropout kid who read books on the Bates method and he started to show me eye exercises. I spent about 13 hours a day working with them, improving them, changing them. I improved my vision within a few months from 1% to 4%. And today, by the way, it's 70%. I read, write, and drive. Mm -hmm. So the principles of those exercises are to relax the eyes. My eyes were moving at a speed of 300 movements per minute, just like you see with Stevie Wonder. Mm -hmm. So they move in an amazing speed, and that's called nystagmus, and, uh, an involuntary movement of the eyes. People would think that I'm on drugs. Some of the other kids who were with me told me to put my dark glasses off because I look so ugly they want to punch me when the eyes <laughs> moving like this. You know, kids tell you... Kids are mean. Yeah, yeah, they could be. They but, can be. Yeah, but uh, I didn't mind that. But anyway, but uh, it's nice that I didn't take it personally already then. Right. And uh, my um, uh, family really opposed me working with a... 16-year-old kid when all the doctors did not do what was supposed uh, to be done that could get me to see. You know? So so this kid, let's just talk a bit about the Bates method. So mm -hmm. he, because he was around, it was like 1891, right? Bates? Like uh, that, that, no, no. He, uh, he was, his Yeah, 1891, theory. right. And I understand that he basically thought eyeglasses were harmful, thought there was no need for them whatsoever. 
I think uh, eyeglasses are very harmful because uh, he's right. Uh, I think eyeglasses are harmful, contacts are worse, and LASIK is the worst. And that they actually make your eyesight worse, is that it? Well, you know, let me tell you in something. The long, they took in the long chickens, run. they took chickens, and they gave them a minus prescription, like they give with myopia, and within three days, the eyeballs became longer. Right. Uh, when you look with glasses, you look through a focal point, and it's hard for the eyes to move from side to side to look at things. Also, the frames basically convince the mind not to pay attention to the periphery. Right. So they're very strenuous on the eyes. And many people, not everybody, needs to change prescriptions with the years right. because of wearing glasses. I don't think glasses on themselves are that harmful. But what's harmful is that when you start to not see well, Instead of training you to see well, you're being given crutches. Yeah, yeah. And uh, contacts, you know, they don't have the problem that glasses have in terms of a focal point because the eyes move with them. Right. But they don't allow the eyes to breathe. And uh, on top of it, the eye should reject any foreign object. And you don't reject it by suppressing the immune system. And you're being told to adapt to the contact lenses. How do you adapt? You weaken your eye. Now, LASIK is the worst thing they could do for you because they make glasses out of your cornea. And that basically makes your cornea weaker and it makes your whole eye weaker. I think you have much more chance of having retinal detachment and glaucoma as a result of the LASIK surgery. Uh And on top of it, there is a harmony in how the light penetrates to the cornea, goes to the aqueous humor, the fluid behind it, go uh, behind the cornea, goes to the lens and bends the, and changes the lens shape, right. goes to the vitreous uh, gel and bends that, and even the 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 macula and the retina changes their shapes when the light comes in. But once you start to operate the cornea. All that harmony is going away. So even though 97% of the people who do LASIK see better, but there's a price. Mm. They see better, but it's not very good. It's like astigmatic. It is uh, light start to bother you. And that surgery, by the way, is good for seven or nine years. After that, they have to do another one. And then another one. And all kinds of problems can happen as a result of it. Some people who approved it for the FDA said they would never do it if they would see what happened afterwards. So again, I want to say LASIK works. Radio keratotomy before that worked. All that works. But the fact that something works, crutches also work if you use them, uh, like glasses do. But the result is weakening of the visual system. And the purpose of my work isn't simply to win you out of glasses. Slowly but surely it can happen. My purpose is to make your visual system healthy. And if I, with 1% of a lens area through which light can penetrate, and with luck of original brain development, was able to build 70% out of 1% vision, am able to drive when people said that I should have walked with a dog and a cane Mm -hmm. and I have no business walking on my own otherwise. If I was able to get to that place, and of course my vision is not as good as yours with glasses, and my vision, uh, I'm always being challenged by the DMV when I go there, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can you really drive? And I'm being tested and retested and all that, but they eventually give me unrestricted license. 
And that's from the age of 28, and I'm nearly 65, okay? So that was my biggest accomplishment in life, being able to drive. So uh, my history is a history of someone who, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I had very thick glasses, so people wouldn't see my eye because they corrected very little. I took them and threw them on the ground all the time. I didn't like them. Well, let me, let me put it this way. Um, it's not the glasses I'm thinking about. It's the eyes of the people. Anyone who will come to my free lectures and more than that will come to my workshop uh, this coming weekend will find how much they can actually improve their vision. Just from that one experience? Absolutely. So give us the basic principles that govern your work. Can you do that? Can we give a I'll give you the principle kind of? of vision and I'll give principles for the body. Okay. Number one, and it's all written in my books, Awakening Your Power of Self-Healing and Vision for Life. Number one, deep relaxation of the eyes. Because I think that people have a lot of stress, visual stress. In the first place, we read a lot. You and I are sitting in a studio, so we have short distance between us. And every audience at home is invited by me to see what I'm talking about. Look out of a window and then put your hand right at your nose. And again, look out of the window and put your hand right at your nose. And again, look out of... What is easier for you? To yep. look at your hand or at the window? The window. Absolutely. Because when you look near, your ciliary muscles constrict mm -hmm. for your lens to be round. When you look far, the lens is flat. We used to be a species that used to look at distances. Before we porched right. animals, right? right. <laughs> we used to look at distances. Yeah, dangers coming. Hunters. Yeah. We used to, even the last 10,000 years when we became farmers, we didn't have uh, radio, we didn't have um, a rocket that will tell us, a uh, satellite that will tell us what's going on with the, with the weather. We used to look at a distance. Sometimes we look from near. Now, most of the time, we look from near at smartphones, at computers, right. books. Um, and we don't look so much from far. Houses, look how much they cost. They used to be considered to be shelters. Now they're dwelling. And so what happens to the modern people is that we're straining our eyes looking from there. So relaxation is number one. And we have a wonderful exercise for relaxation called palming. I'll be glad to demonstrate whenever you ask me to. Second principle is adaptation to different light amplitude and frequencies. So, for example, people wear sunglasses these days. It's hard to see them without sunglasses. They are very harmful to the eyes because what happens is the pupils never constrict all the way. And the other thing that happens is that uh, there, is, there are sunglasses within the eyes, uh, which is uh, basically the, the melanin pigment. The production of melanin pigment is both for the retina, the choroid, so within the eyes, and for the skin. And I've heard that some Aborigines were told uh, um, to wear sunglasses because doctors believe so much in sunglasses and make big propaganda worldwide for it. And first time in their history in Australia, they got sunburned. So mm -hmm. when you wear sunglasses, you affect badly your skin, you affect your whole immune system, you affect everything badly. So I'm very much against sunglasses unless the sun is in your eyes and you're driving right to a sunset. Okay, mm -hmm. several situations, but s skiing, something like this. Mm -hmm. But normally, don't wear them. 
Unless you don't want anyone to know you in a party, you know. But anyway, <laughs> the, 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 the next uh, part of the same thing is we don't have night vision. If you live in Vancouver, you don't have a night. And for two million years, we had day, we had sunset, we had twilights. Today, before sunset, people turn the lights on. Look at this. We're sitting in the studios in the daytime. Yeah, yeah. And you have the light on. This is so unnatural. The light bulb helped us a lot. It's one of the reasons I was able to get here from San Francisco by airplane, right? Right. So light helps us. Help industry. Help supposedly safety and things of that nature. But at the same time, we are really destroying our wake-sleep cycles. And uh, our pituitary gland doesn't work that well. We don't produce as much melatonin. We need to adapt to the light. In my long classes, I won't be able to do it this class, but in my 60i classes and in my training course, we go to the park and take a nice long walk. And first it's all dark and then there is brightness. Especially it was when I was training in Singapore, we walked in the forest. It was so dark. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So there are cells that never work because they only work at night. We don't have them. Well, you know what I have instead is glaucoma because there's so much pressure on the eye and the central vision. So now the third principle... And sorry, before you go on, maybe you could define night blindness too because isn't that your rods are switching to cones or cones to no, rods? No, no. It's that? night blindness. The rods are, di- are dying. The rods are dying. The right. simple as that. So, so when people say, I have night blindness, I can't see it. Well, night. it depends. You could be in night blindness because of glaucoma, and that means your optic nerve died. Right. But most of night blindness happens because of uh, retinitis pigmentosa. Uh, and then there are several other reasons. But those are the main two reasons, glaucoma and retinitis pigmentosa. Which are related to aging, are they? No. Because I they're hear people all the genetic. time as they oh, yeah. get well, older say, now become, I can't see The pupils night. become weak. Okay. The pupils become weak. They can actually train themselves to see at night. Pretty good. If they took my workshop even, don't, you don't even have an individual session for that, right. or read my book, they could train themselves to see. So the, the weakness at night and the semi-night I mean, I know yeah. real night blindness. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The semi-night blindness, yeah. that's because of weaker pupils. And that's why we need to adapt to the daylight. And that's why we need to adapt to the, to the dark of the night, which I would recommend every audience to not put light in the hole and to learn good your way to the bathroom if you need to wake up in the middle learn of the night. Learn to see in the dark. Yeah, and, and, and learn to see in the dark. Yeah. Okay, the next principle is uh, looking at details. The most precious part of the retina is called the macula, M-A-C-U-L-A. That is only a percent and a half of the total visual field. So when you look at details, uh, like if you look at me, you look at my nose and other places. Now, when I start to look, I had 1% vision. I would mix between you and the chair and the wall behind you. I learned to see that there's a window there, that there is a ceiling there. Slowly, slowly, I learned to look at details. You can see exactly where I didn't shave well uh, when you look at details. But the point is, looking at details is very, very important. And what we learn is not to do that. We read whole paragraphs instead of letter by letter. We go to the supermarket and pick up exactly what we want to pick and completely are disturbed by the fact that other things on the shelf, we don't just look at them out of curiosity. Well, if you go to the average person in the jungle, they're curious about everything. And they look at details. Children look at details. And we stop doing it. Now, 
Uh, we teach people to do it. That's a good prevention of macular degeneration. The, and it leads to clear vision. The next principle uh, is looking at a distance. With people looking so much at computers, so much at iPhones, and uh, we just stop looking at a distance. So 20 minutes a day, unless you have a beginning of cataract, then it's 40 minutes a day in intervals of uh, 4 to 6 minutes uh, or up to 10 Look at the distance, and funny thing to say, wave your hands to the side so you wake up the periphery, which is the next principle, peripheral Literally expansion. here on the side of, while I'm yeah. gazing you off look in the at distance, me, wave you, my hands Yeah, you look at head. me, you look at me, but there's still a wall here, yeah. there's still a window yes, here, there's still yeah. a ceiling, yeah. there's still a floor. When you wave your hands, right. you create movement, and those cells, the rods that we discussed, mm-hmm. pay attention to movement. So you right. look at me with your macula, right. But your periphery pays attention to movement. So you're advocating that people take a time out every day, look off into the distance, right. wave your hands to activate this periphery, right. but look far away. Look, gaze at the clouds. Exactly. Dream. Exactly. Visually. Exactly. Okay. exactly. Uh, that's why our school is by the ocean. We, see, we look at waves. Nice. nice. Yeah. And then the, the next, uh, 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 so we talk about the next principle is peripheral vision. And often we have an exercise where we put a paper between the eyes and wave our hands to the side. So we will block the center so the brain will connect to the periphery. And then the next one is balance use of the eyes. Because most people, when they start to strain, one eye overpowers the other. So we try to create balance use between the two eyes, then balance use within each eye. Many people look down nasally and not up. Uh, uh, with the temple so to create balance use with each eye is very important and then uh, body and eye coordination very important uh, uh, principle and the last but not the least and it's so important for us to know more blood flow to the visual system the main reason for blindness and the main reason for failed vision like you're telling me people no longer see in the dark Mm -hmm. even nothing is wrong with the retina but they don't see well in the dark and the pupils are weak, not enough blood flow to the visual system. It leads to so many conditions of blindness, like neovascularization, bleeding of the macula, that all lead to blindness. That's why what I'm saying is we need to learn uh, to, to use the eyes, and those are the nine principles from which we have three or 400 exercises. Right. But the exercises are not as important as the principle. Now, for the body, just want you to know, I work with paralysis, I work with injuries. For the body, principle number one is, deep, is learning that we have uh, more than 600 muscles and we use only 50 of them. How many body principles do we have? Because we have to take a break. We have okay. four. four. I think we're going to take a quick break, play a piece of music, and when we come back, we'll hear the four principles relevant to the body. I also want to talk about your workshops, specifically what people might experience who are going to come out. And I really hope we have time to touch on the brain and plasticity and that whole correlation because I find that I so fascinating. I can't wait. I can't wait. Awesome. Well, guess what track I'm playing next? <laughs> I can can see clearly now this is johnny nash did the original version this is holly cole one of my favorites you're listening to conscious living radio 100.5 fm in vancouver on co-op radio i can see all obstacles in my way 
gonna be a bright, it's gonna be bright, sunshiny day. I think I can make it now, the pain is gone. Co-op Radio 100.5 CFRO. We are a non-commercial station bringing you voices and stories and perspectives you probably won't hear elsewhere. We are supported by members and by donations. You can become a member by going to our website at www.coopradio.org. If you like what you hear but don't want to be a member, that's cool too. You can still help by clicking on the donate arrow at the top right of the website. Co-op Radio thanks you for listening and for helping build our community of listeners and programmers. Welcome back. You're listening to Conscious Living Radio. And yeah, we would love you guys to become members. So go on our website, www.consciouslivingradio.org, so we can keep bringing you all these cool guests. And um, 
community-oriented events and all the other stuff that we're doing here because we love doing it and we love having you listen. So Absolutely, and we need your help. And we do need your help. So make a donation. Whatever you can possibly afford would be helpful. Anything helps. That's right. Awesome. So we're back. We're speaking with Mayor Schneider. Schneider. I almost said Schindler. Don't know why. Sorry. He was a great guy. He was a great guy. Um, And we're talking about the four principles of the body. We had touched on the principles of your self-healing work with the eyes. And now maybe recap for us or dive into the four for the body. So first of all, people have to be aware that because of modern life, like sitting for many hours, walking with shoes on cement, having sense of less movement that exists for us we only use 50 out of 600 muscles that exist for us Uh, and most of the muscles in the body are pretty dormant so our work is to first of all find the muscles we never use when I get people to start and mobilize their toes Mm -hmm. you know when you know that some people who are unfortunate and were born with small arms or in an accident lost their arms often learn to use their toes instead of their hands. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, what happens is people have a very hard time mobilizing their toes and one by one. And yet some people can uh, play guitar with their toes, can draw beautiful art. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we're learning about muscles whenever you use. For example, whenever I teach a group, like I will do this time in uh, the Boehner bookstore, I ask my people to stand and lift the legs sideways. And you know, you'd think that I asked them to lift heavy weights. It's their legs. Lift it sideways for a minute or two and they suffer, you know. And the reason is that in all the gyms, they teach us to overuse what we already are using. Mm. So there is idea that I have from now to the rest of your life, whatever time you have left, discover muscles you never used before. The next principle is loosen up the muscles you always used because they're tired from being overused. Mm-hmm. If you always walked forwards, don't you think the muscles with which you walk forwards eventually get tired? Well, walk backwards. Walk sideways. Learn muscles about the existence of muscles you never knew ever existed for you. So the idea is to use muscles you never ever used. And to relax the ones you always used. And then uh, you want to learn about the neurological capacity that your body has to control itself. So activate parts of your brain that were never active in that way and integrate that's the fourth principle between all the muscles that you always used and the muscles that you didn't use I'll tell you what's the result I have all the reason in the world to have back pain okay I travel a lot like on airplanes you know you know what seat in airplanes are in economy right it used to be normal then they invented seat for people without uh, feet or knees. Well, they got smaller and smaller. Uh, and then the, for people who don't have hip joints, right? Yeah. I remember going from San Francisco to New York for six hours and from New York to Brazil, right. another eight hours or nine hours. We were sitting in the middle rows like a group hug. And everybody's yeah. kind of careful. Yeah. Well, I do that a lot. I fly all over the world. I'm going to fly to Germany this year, to Israel. I already flew to Israel this year, you know. And I don't have back pain. How come? Because I learn to isolate muscle groups, because I run on the beach barefoot on a daily basis, 
And that is in San Francisco. And I've learned to separate between muscle groups in a way that really works for my body. Mm-hmm. And so the point is that what I learned is to integrate my body. You don't... One of the worst things that I've seen in people who are very muscular, a muscle jump here and a muscle jumps there. That is the worst you can do. All the muscles should be round. Mm. And so, uh, for example, I have very strong muscles in the legs. Not so much in my arms. Regular in my arms, kind of strong. But legs are really strong, like a muscle builder. But there is no differentiation. All my muscles are uh, in a very even manner. Why is that? Because I learned to use them together. Now, when I work with people with muscular dystrophy, for example, that's all different, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They die. Some of them die. Some of them, depends. It's 102 different diseases. I need to relax the muscles that are being overused and build up the ones that are about to die. Mm -hmm. And that's quite possible. The specific massage and movement and work in water that can do it. Uh, when I work on uh, people with multiple sclerosis, I need to find a way for the central nervous system to communicate better. We put them, by the way, in cold pool, cold bath, uh, put ice behind the neck, and we do with them a lot of coordination exercises. And slowly but surely, they are able to actually regain movement they didn't have before. But the most important thing is learn to not overuse what you always use. That's how the mechanism collapses. And same thing is true about athletes. You know, some people who are very strong in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and very athletic, become so weak in the 60s and 70s. I know of somebody who was a bar bouncer. Nobody would challenge him. And when he became 70, you can't even shake his hand. You can't hug him because he hurt so much. We try to prevent that from happening. And when you have a situation where so many people have arthritis and so many people have lack of good movement in their joints, it is time to work on the most important thing, balance. You create balance in the activities of your body. And that is what I teach worldwide. Right. Okay, so we've got, and, and for just maybe just touch on uh, which kinds of um, degenerative diseases that your work would be effective for. Would there be any impact, let's say, on autoimmune, which seems to be so ramped, rampant these days? Well, many diseases are autoimmune, like, uh, mm-hmm. like rheumatoid arthritis, right. uh, like multiple sclerosis. My work is very good for autoimmune diseases. Uh, it is also very good for most degenerative problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes my work cannot be the primary treatment. For example, if you have cancer, okay, mm-hmm. uh, the other treatments for cancer, not mine, but I can help the body be strong to sustain right. the treatment uh, and to go through it. So right. there are several things that I cannot do. There's limit to what I could do. But I think that if I'm ever successful to train enough people to do my work, uh, the work of rehabilitation will be totally revolutionized. Mm-hmm. People talk today about the plasticity of the brain. Yeah, that's what uh, I want I, to get to next. I told you yeah. during the brain uh, the break that I was really insulted that I was invited as a as a specialist to talk about the brain in a big show that they're doing in Israel. And out of four shows, half an hour each, they give me three minutes. You know, if I'm lucky. Go, you've got three minutes. No, <laughs> yeah, it really. I mean, they came for two and a half hours to, to. Uh, and I must tell you, I think that the person who interviewed me probably wanted many more minutes, but mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. the the you know the producer, but and she decided that before even coming to me. 
But uh, what, what I wanted to say, it's bizarre for them to think that ice can improve. It's bizarre for them to think that people may not need to go to the wheelchair. And so um, what happens is for the last 40 years, there are more and more books on brain plasticity. And the people who know nothing about it are ophthalmologists and neurologists. And they're the first ones that should talk about it. But they're not thinking about it. They're thinking about specific medications for this or for that. But they're not thinking about the plasticity of the brain and plasticity of the body. And in this case, the plasticity of the visual system. We have to give up the old concepts of what's possible and be open, like open vessels, for the new concept of integration and more ability of the body. I really think that most eye problems should not even be here. I really think that most injuries and back problems and arthritis should not be here. And this this is why I go everywhere. Come Vancouver is next door to San Francisco. It's a two-hour mm-hmm. flight, you know, mm-hmm. but I fly much farther than that. So let's talk about specifically your workshops and what people can hope to learn if they go there, and then we'll see how much time we've got left. So you've got two free lectures, one at Banyan uh, this Thursday, tomorrow. 6.30 till 8, and that's free. And then Friday, another free one at Oak Ridge Public Library, 6.30 to 8.30. So at the lecture, you're going to start, just give people kind of a, a, yeah, a I, taste of you, your you work? You know, the, they're saying that the picture is worth a thousand words, and I think a demonstration worth a thousand pictures. I will not be satisfied. By the way, I don't remember the address of Banyan Books, so if you can tell them. Uh, they I, all know because they're <laughs> Vancouverites, but I will tell you it's 3608 West 4th Avenue. You all know Banyan Books and Sound, I'm right. sure. So just so, show, on, show up. So I don't feel good about talking about something and not showing it. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely show them how to relax the eyes. I may show them even how to improve the periphery. And I will show them how they can see better. So uh, I want them to live with the understanding that they can see better because the whole world does not believe in it. And I think it is time for me to demonstrate it. When you come to the workshop, then you'll have a whole day to work on it. Then you'll be able to experience kinesthetically or with body awareness of the changes that can happen in your body and you will start to have a sense of muscles that you never knew existed. And once you uh, integrate them with the muscle that has always existed, you feel that your whole body works more as a whole and more as a unit. And, and on your weekend workshop, which will be May 11th, Saturday, and May 12th, the Sunday, um, is there going to be a psychological aspect as well? Are you weaving together the, these physical exercises and the impact psychologically? I use mental exercises and imagery. Uh, it's almost inevitable that some people will bring psychological questions. But I don't hold myself as a psychologist, uh, and yet I have no choice. Clients do ask me questions, mm-hmm. and participants ask me questions. And of course, life experience, I mean, for example, look at the eyes, you know. Uh, I know of one lady that uh, when she was seven, her parents divorced. It's exactly when she became nearsighted. Right. right. Um, so uh, <laughs> yes, uh, and I can. And Mark is now pointing to himself, right? And so I. So you're I saying there's a correlation between how one 
handles what whatever is um, in your environment and how you see. Right? In her case, this our idea parents, of being how her parents handled this, yeah. yeah. Uh, but often you go to work and you see somebody you don't want to see ever, but you have to see them. Or in your family, you have mm. to deal with somebody hard for you to to deal with. Why shouldn't your eyes suffer for it? I mean, we need to find a way, and that's the first thing I'm working on in my class, autonomic nervous system, how to balance the activity of the autonomic nervous system, and we have physical exercise for that. I'll never forget that in England, I was teaching a training course, and uh, I had 19 people, and 17 of them uh, told me, the reason we're taking the course is because we tried all psychological processes, but something is in the body that needs to be worked on. Mm -hmm. So my work is, first of all, on the body. And believe it or not, emotions come out. And if you have the time, I'll tell you a story. Yeah. No, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> the body talks. Well, that's a big part of the work you do, too, Todd. Totally. The mind-body connection, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I just, you know, when I know when people are blind to, I mean, all these visual words that we're using are, are just pair so beautifully with all self-development work. Because when you're blind to what is, it doesn't mean it's true, but you've got to know what you're perceiving internally and what meaning you're making internally that has to be in conscious awareness but why shouldn't it perpetuate? be in the body why shouldn't it? let me give you the best example i had a guy who came to me because he was hunchback so my sense of him was that he's hunchback because he's six foot four and everybody else is shorter than him so he looks down so i worked with him twice a week and there was a crack after eight weeks mm -hmm. and his back straightened and I worked on his chest. And then he told me that at the age of 16, he was then 47, he played, uh, he played in the sidewalk with sticks. He played with sticks, uh, with uh, balls in the streets of New York. Well, nobody likes teenagers occupying the sidewalk and playing with sticks, but something worse than not liking happened. A police car stopped, a sergeant hated his friend, took a stick and broke it on his friend's back. Mm -hmm. His friends end up going to jail. He since then had a little sensation of heaviness in his back, in his chest. And when I've undone it for him, he saw that image. The memory came back. And then he came and he worked with me for two more years. Mm -hmm. And he passed through so many phases, like once he was bored with me and with his wife and with his work. And he loved his work and he liked me and he liked his, uh, and he loved his wife. And I explained to him, this is an internal feeling you have. And he accepted that. But when we finished, he said that everything changed for him completely. And what changed for him completely was that uh, he would get a fit when things didn't work out for him, and that stopped. He started to uh, let go of that sense. So things can change, and body work, in my method of working on the nervous system with relaxation and with shaking, of uh, learning to reduce stress in the connective tissue, that can make a big difference. I work with people with multiple sclerosis and I give them a whole new sense of how to activate the body because I really believe that multiple sclerosis is a collapse of the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we overuse part of us and not 
the whole. And that leads to eventually monotonous impulses that lead to collapse. And when we start to use, we do coordination exercises and use more of all of us, our nervous system strengthens. That's why I have a, a, a CD which is called Strengthening Your Central Nervous System. And we're already donating to your show uh, the CD uh, mayor's vision exercises mm -hmm. but if uh, um, there'll be a lot of requests we'll also donate strengthening your central nervous system uh, one of them Great. so you can uh, connect with my office with Ryan tell them about it but you can strengthen the central nervous well, system. Well, let's do something, because we only have maybe five minutes, minutes left, seven minutes, but we also want to tell people where they yeah, can find yeah. out more information. So why don't you take our listeners into a couple of exercises? I asked you for one in particular for wet macular degeneration for my mom. So before we do palming, which is the exercise I want to demonstrate, and by the way, please read my book, Vision for Life, you have a lot of exercise, and Awakening Your Power of Self-Healing has wonderful stuff on, on macular degeneration. Here's what you do. First of all, sit straight in your chair, and then move your head in rotating motion in both directions. Unlike my two wonderful, gorgeous interviewers, you don't have earphones in your ears, so you can easily do that. Yeah? So in rotating motion. So they seem to be doing it just fine. Now, two things. Massage your head. Massage the scalp. Separate between the scalp and the skull as you do it. So massage your head. And don't forget to breathe. And your breathing is still not against the law. So go ahead and do that. In and out through your nose. And inhale slowly and exhale even slower. So inhale and exhale. And now move your head in rotating motion again. And the only question I have, does it feel lighter? It does. Mm -hmm. In spite of your earphones, you can feel that, right? Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And the people at home probably do feel lighter. Now, I'm going to give you an exercise, and this is keep moving your head in rotating motion in both directions. And now tap on your abdomen, on your abdomen, exactly on your navel. Breathe deeply and slowly and say, center. 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 Everybody. Center. 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 And now move your head again. How does that feel? Easy. Nice, huh? This continuation to that, but we have a short time. Now rub your hands. Stretch them and move the arms in rotating motion. In both directions without hitting microphone in the studio. But really stretch and move them all the way in rotating motion. You can look at our website, www.self-healing.org, and you can see the last webinar where we did a bunch of stretches. Rub your hands. And right now, either put pillows on a table or put... I have a palming stick here, and I'm putting my elbows in such a way that my head does not go down and my head does not go up. It means my neck is not curving backwards or forwards. And the most important thing is that you touch the cheekbones extremely gently. No pressure on the cheekbones. You breathe in and out. I need a palming stick. And you visualize. No. Can I? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, awesome. awesome. And you put it between your legs. I'm going to make it very easy. And Jean, Describe touch her so she'll feel... I was going to. So, so this palming stick is like a big key. It's a, it's a flat board that's maybe 
almost two feet wide, and it's just got a pole so you can set it on a uh, on a table or a chair. It's really a, a very simple device. And then there's no tension in the back because yeah. my arms, I'm not holding my arms up. They're leaning. That feels great. Just sitting there like this feels great. And you put your hands very gently around the eye orbits. You just rub them to warm them up. And you, t- you put them around the eye orbits, means on the cheekbones. You put no pressure on the cheekbones. And you breathe deeply in and out. You inhale and exhale through your nose. So your exhalation is very slow. You feel that your abdomen expands when you breathe in and shrinks when you breathe out. You feel that your chest and uh, ribs and upper back are expanding when you breathe in and are shrinking when you breathe out. And you feel that your whole upper torso expands and shrinks and you even visualize that your head expands and shrinks. So you have a sense, you know, even think that your pelvis and legs, elbows and knees are all expanding when you breathe in, shrinking when you breathe out, and you visualize the whole body expands and shrink, and you visualize that you see dark color, maybe even black, to take away all sense of after image. So you focus on your breathing and focus on the black, and slowly, slowly, it allows your eyes to rest. This exercise, even though we're going to do it short, this exercise has to be done six minutes minimum, and minimum half an hour a day. I mean, you could do five times six minutes or three times ten minutes, and it's going to change your life completely because it is not only resting the eyes but nurturing the eyes. Mm. That's fantastic. And, and now in that <clears throat> you know, resting state, Tasha, you have two minutes. Am I going to club you? No. You are. <laughs> that was I'm awesome. Show everybody on our Two program. minutes. Oh, no. So tell our listeners again, if you want uh, information about the workshop, I know we've got it on our website, www.consciouslivingradio.com. The workshop. Org. I mean, sorry, .org. See, I'm so relaxed. I'm just uh, out of my head and in my body. Um, and it is happening on East 7th Avenue, Main Street, and 7th Avenue, Saturday, May 11th, from 10 to 6 p.m., Sunday, May 12th, 12 to 6 p.m., with a lunch break in between. Lots more information on the site. The free lecture, one on Thursday at Banyan, one on Friday at Oak Ridge Public Library. And where can they find out more about you or get your books or they whatever can, website you want to get them? They can uh, go to... Uh, www.self-healing.org self-healing.org Do you have Pam's uh, website or Pam's uh, in, uh, uh, email? I don't know. I do. HealingEventsBC at gmail.com If you want some more information, you can talk to Pam or to register directly. You can do that. Um, we'll also have registration on our website. And are we offering a little... A gift? What is Yeah, the... there's a couple of gifts that, that Mayor has uh, offered. We'll have them up probably tomorrow sometime. And uh, all the information is on our website as well, so it's easily available at ConsciousLivingRadio.org. So get out there, inspiring, life-changing lectures and a two-day workshop. Um, I, I think it sounds fantastic. Like just those few minutes of, of release, relaxing, really. Like the power of relaxation is phenomenal. It changes amazing. everything. Yeah, it's amazing. It's oh, amazing. I wish we had more time. Me it's too. been delightful. You, you, you are wonderful. Both <laughs> you, of you are, are wonderful. wonderful. You're wonderful. We're all wonderful. Well, thank, you. thank you, everyone, so much for joining us this evening. We'll catch you next week. You've been listen, listening to Conscious Living Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver. Good night.